Uh, being shouted, UK is not Uttarakhand, but United Kingdom. 
so where some Khalistani slogans have been uh, raised. And you said this is what is ha happening in farmers' protest. Is this what farmers' protest is about? Okay. That is what typically the message would be. And that video will be uh, will be shared across thousands and thousands of accounts. The same video with identical message. Now, this is something that can be easily recognized, spotted in the realm of technology using algorithms. Like, look, there is this repetition. Okay. Uh, so, uh, for example, the Altis app is now available on both iPhone and Android. If, if there's a vi viral video and if you upload it, or if there's a viral image and if you upload it, we've already fact-checked it, it will give you an automated response without uh, any human intervention. So, the, so that, that is a technological angle. And eventually we realize that as much as we do in the journalistic realm or in terms of disbursement of fact-checks using uh, uh, technological ways, uh, still what is needed uh, at this point in time is people thinking more critically. And uh, that is when we, we have now started doing workshops, we are writing a book on fact-checking. So that is the scope of work right now. Uh, technological, journalistic and educational. So we are uh, looking at three, you know, these three ways. These, these are the strategies. The three issues that we want to target, right away targeting misinformation, we're starting to work on uh, hate speech and eventually the hope is that we work on the issue of privacy or the lack of privacy. So, so those are the three main issues ailing social media and these are the three strategies to counter them. So that is the scope of work right now. Okay. So we'll be coming to the technological and the educational perspective. Uh, but before that, uh, so it's just fascinating. So you did a bachelor's in engineering followed by a corporate job and now you are the sort of face of the Indian fact-checking scene. So media is a completely different domain and there isn't a very strong overlap you could say between say engineering and media. So was there any singular event which prompted you to start Alt News and secondly was it more of an ethical slash model decision or did you take a conscious business decision around all things? So my engineering career itself isn't, wasn't a traditional engineering, engineering career. I was not in a typical quote unquote, yes, it was a corporate job, but I have never worked for a big organization. I have only worked for startups. Uh, my first job, I was probably the ninth, tenth employee of the organization. Second job, I was the first employee of the organization. Uh, third job, uh, I was, then I was a consultant, then again I joined another startup. So uh, yeah, through my, throughout my career, I have only worked in startup organizations. Um, so that is one thing. Um, and which is why, uh, you know, that experience gave me the, uh, some know-how and confidence of being able to start something or being part of another startup, you know. Uh, so that is, that is where my uh, career helped. Regarding my jump from engineering to media, there's no one event. Um, I, my parents have been social activists all their life. My father, Dr. Mukosena, who passed away in 2014, he was a lawyer in Gujarat High Court. He took up the, uh, you know, the, we have a civil liberties organization called Jansen Dashmanish here, of which my mother is, my mother, Sina, who's also the um, managing director of Alt News. Um, she is the... Uh, so she is the chairman of Jansangashman right now. My father was previously the chairman. And uh, uh, 
they have been working on ground since the late 1970s and I was born in 1982. So that is the childhood I've seen that is, you know, parents who are social activists. So that is the biggest influence to actually do something in the social sphere. So I'm working on an issue which impacts social sphere. The reason for jump is multifold. Um, I started, as I said, I started working in startups, but, uh, uh, you know, as engineers, I realized that a lot of that we do in terms of technology is work that does not cater to the masses. I mean, for example, if you look at the phones these days, you know, what do you get? A better camera, a better, more RAM, more. Now, this is just incremental stuff. It is. If this is not something, you know, when, when mobile phones first came, that was a huge thing, you know, that uh, as an engineer, as somebody who's passionate about technology, that was very exciting. But uh, the kind of work that we see these days, um, one of my last projects was, I was uh, uh, working on a try, so basically let's say if you have a Reliance Mall, okay, a Reliance Fresh, and uh, people are, customers are moving from one aisle to another aisle and uh, let's say this customer goes and stands uh, in front of the aisle which has milk and there are 10 brands and uh, the last project that I was working on was to track this customer in a close three-dimensional space uh, using triangulation, using various wireless methods and figure out where in that three-dimensional space is this customer. So let's say he's trying to know that this customer is standing in front of the uh, of the uh, you know place where there's milk, then a coupon will come on his phone through the app of that store, saying that look there is a offer on this milk you could buy this milk. Okay, so so from a technological point of view, it is very interesting to to solve the problem that where is a human being standing uh, located in a three-dimensional space. But from an impact point of view, what are you doing? You're selling another carton of milk. You're, sell, you're helping a corporate body sell another carton of milk. Okay. I started getting disillusioned. I mean, what is the point of doing this work? You know, what is the point of doing, from an engineering point of view, this is exciting work, but what is the impact? You know, so the impact did not make sense uh, in the engineering work that I was doing. So that was the first point of time when I started thinking, you know, is this really what I want to do? Just this pure engineering where the focus is, this is the primary focus in most of the world. Now, for example, if you look at India, there's so much manual scavenging. Where is the technology to deal with that? You know, where is the technology which will help your... Safai um, you know, in being more protected when they, these regular things, issues which can be solved using technology, they are at the bottom of the priority when it comes to uh, the engineering folks. So, so for me that was an issue and uh, certain personal events, I was not in India for a while, from 2007 to 2013 I was not in India, 2013 I came back to India. And um, I started spending more time with my parents and my father got cancer in 2013, he passed in 2014. But uh, I started getting more and more involved in issues which were to do uh, with social issues and including having, uh, I walked 10 days along with my mother from Ahmedabad to Una during the Una March in 2016. And at that point in time, I think on day 5, we were in a place called Botal. 
and there was this huge crowd. I was, I, so my contribution to that was that I was very active on social media. In 2013, uh, I had helped my parents set up a, a website called Truth of Gujarat, which documented uh, multiple things, you know, about fake encounters, etc. that happened in Gujarat. And uh, um, uh, so, so I was already politically inclined. I mean, I was always politically inclined since since being a child. But this was really sort of an awakening of the political consciousness, if you say. And uh, this was there was this fifth day in Botad. I think it was August 10th, and uh, I was doing this. You know, I was capturing images, videos, putting it out on social media about the march and with the hashtag Chalo. And I think that that did quite to popularize it. But I saw this huge mass of people, and there's hardly a media person covering this turn of events where this huge mass of people are converging uh, and uh, you know Dalit population uh, in a state which is uh, which has repressed the Dalit population and there was not a, there was hardly any media person covering it and I thought there is more that needs to be done in the media space and uh, more that you know as an engineer I wanted to see how can I use my engineering you know, whatever I learned as an engineer to affect the media space. And at the same point of time, I was, I noticed that there is a lot, lot of misinformation, you know, traditional journalists are not trained in dealing with this. So, and it is, I thought that this issue is going to become a big issue. And that is what led to the starting of Altews. And Altews, I started with my, uh, my colleague, Mohammed Zubair. Zubair is also an engineer. He's worked in multinational companies. Uh, he's also passed out from Bangalore a um, couple of years junior to me, I think, uh, as an engineer. And uh, so he was working in telecom. Uh, and both of us sort of came together. And my mother was, you know, uh, she worked as a scientist here for 35 years. So, uh, so yeah, some of us came together. There are people who, other people who joined, for example, Dr. Sumaya Sheikh, she, Right now, uh, she's a founding editor of Alton Science. We we write about you know how uh, pseudoscience is being used to mislead people in India, and she is a neuroscientist based in Sweden. There's another person, uh, Sam Javed. Uh, she's been there since day one. So uh, I think what what the good thing that happened was that a good bunch of people sort of come together, came together, and uh, folks who were passionate about an issue. And, I think that is how all things started. And in my case, it was this disillusion with meant with uh, the kind of work that I was doing as an engineer and my and the influence that my parents had uh, because of the childhood I had. That was a combination of that and the fact that I always worked in startups and uh, wanted to be part of something which was new. Uh, all of that combined probably is the inspiration to start all things. So Alt News is not a very big team. Now, how do you deal with the dealers of misinformation that is plaguing India right now with such a small team? Um, we are not being able to deal with it. Um, we are doing our best, but we are not being able to deal with it. The issue of misinformation continues to rise. We have much smaller goals at this point in time, that is uh, to ensure that, let's say, mainstream media does not put out misinformation. Uh, you know, uh, if you look back two, three years before Alt News came, uh, the mainstream media would put out any video and say that this happened. It That trend has reduced. Even if they do it, they'll say that uh, this political party has put out this video, but we have not verified it. The language has changed. Um, so 
that is goal number one to ensure that you know mainstream media uh, we, you can't stop it from doing propaganda etc but at least don't put out blatant misinformation um, again not that we have been very effective we saw what happened in the Sushant Singh Rajput case etc they continue to do what they want to but I believe there has been some sort of impact and I, I know personally that there has been some sort of impact um, secondly let's say when things like farmer protests uh, are happening or when uh, you know all these uh, the, the pattern of misinformation is that it is always linked to political events and every time there's a political event there will be a rise in misinformation so uh, when these political events happen uh, whether it is the issue of covid whether it is the issue of tablighi jamaat whether it's the issue of cnrc protest whether it is the uh, whether it is the balakot strike whether it is 2019 elections uh, there's always been a spike in misinformation and uh, the hope at this point in time in audiences to put out as many stories uh, uh, out during especially during these spikes to ensure that the conversation remains as authentic as possible at least in a certain section of the population uh, because this is a time when pe uh, yes there's a spike in misinformation but there's uh, you know there's this increased awareness that there is misinformation especially since fact checking websites have come and people look for fact checks and as people look for more and more fact checks uh, it becomes sort of a habit that okay let me first verify before sharing so uh, we want to do that we have we, I think uh, if the target goal is 100% we are 0.1% but we are starting to make an impact uh, you know there are people are starting to recognize the fact that um, you know IEEE Jadavpur University student branch I'm talking about this issue uh, at least there is awareness about this issue in a certain section of the population that there is this misinformation and um, right now though primary goal is to increase that awareness people need to know that they they are being duped on an industrial scale and uh, 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 as people realize that then that is the time when they'll attempt to be more critical towards the information they receive so uh, so uh, I mean uh, the small team that we have we uh, usually divide work we have one resource completely dedicated to education others are doing fact checks um, we're all wearing multiple hats basically all of us are doing multiple things. Um, it's it's just that uh, we're lucky to be uh, uh, you know a very good team of dedicated and passionate folks. Okay, so as a fact checker, I mean, who is constantly exposed to a deluge of you know graphic and often very violent media, say during the uh, Delhi riots. So how exhausting and mentally draining is your job? And I'm sure there must be some measures you need to take to recuperate from uh, such events, such graphic images and videos. So, yes, we do see a lot of graphic images, videos, videos of violence. And um, it is not seen, right? Well, we have to figure out where a video has come from. So we have to see the videos again and again, frame by frame. It is not, you know, typical social media users even if they see, they'll see it once and they'll close it. If they're triggered, they might close it half the way. But we don't have that option. We have to see many videos again and again. So uh, it, it, it can become very distressing sometimes. And um, uh, so um, we're lucky to have Dr. Sumaya Sheikh as part of the organization because she's a neuroscientist. And she has been the one who's been suggesting us to, you know, how to deal with it. 
look at it as a profession and uh, a lot of other things uh, she's had a couple of sessions with um, uh, individuals in the organization and she has suggested that we we come up with a policy which deals with this issue as you know policies which state that uh, people have to have counseling sessions at least twice a year to see to figure out whether they are doing okay or not we, uh, these policies have not been made yet have not been instituted yet but um, the hope is that we will be able to do it because this is an issue that a lot of people will be facing um, not just fact checkers but let's say moderators on you know who are doing moderation for twitter facebook etc they also have to look at a lot of this content so uh, uh, people you know uh, this is a new field where people have to look at content and decide uh, whether it is a facebook moderator deciding whether the content should be there on the platform or not or a fact checker deciding whether the content is authentic or not um, people need to figure out how to you know what is to be done to help people like us but as i said we are uh, trying to come up with a policy to deal with it but the issue of stress is not just that or the issue of frustration is not just that the issue is also the fact that um, that there is such widespread use of misinformation and uh, the various authorities who are responsible for it they are doing nothing about it like media organizations instead of being fact checkers are the ones who are disseminating misinformation uh, the amount of polarization that is there in the society that you know when even when truth is staring at your face you want to ignore it now those are the kind of frustrations which are which also affect uh, people like us the work we are doing because uh, you know after putting in a lot of hard work when when you can't see when you can't say that the color white is white it it becomes a little uh, deflating if if that is the word that we can use <laughs> yeah so so this is a question which has bothered us a lot especially uh, seeing the amount of medical misinformation which has been propagated during this pandemic so where exactly do you draw the line between fake news and the passionate opinion on social media which might not be factually correct so uh, we i have seen instances where there have been influential people uh, both in india and abroad who have propagated absolute nonsense when it comes to medical information and when uh, say any authority has uh, you know curbed down on that they claim that it's a violation of their uh, freedom of speech so where do you exactly draw the line between what is fake news and what is opinion um don't really have to draw a line see number one uh, so let's look at the kind of misinformation there's political misinformation and there is medical misinformation and political misinformation you know it is the way political misinformation is circulated it is you know some fiction that is created like uh, farmers are uh shouting khalistani slogans and the same thing is put put out again and again there is not much scope of uh, opinion there let's say if sambit patra goes on a channel and says that uh, uh states for example something that was on social media you know and keeps repeating that misinformation uh then even if it is in form of opinion it is still misinformation okay um i mean it doesn't matter make a difference whether it is opinion or not the if the opinion has a fact 
it's uh, the opinion has a fact which is not factual then that is misinformation so i don't think there is a need to draw the line the issue of freedom of speech is very different you know the issue of people curbing down on it is very different but at least from a point of your fact checker uh, we fact check even uh, inaccuracies in opinion let's say a uh, bjp or a congress spokesperson goes on tv and states something that is inaccurate as part of his political opinion that can still be fact checked so i i think the uh, if your if your question is you know curbing of their speech uh, that is a different discussion and uh, i don't think any law should curb uh, this kind of speech that is uh, i'm not i'm not entirely clear in my head how to deal with this issue if you if, if you start curbing on speech uh, then it is a slippery slope uh, because misinformation is is basically a type of information and who decides what is misinformation what is information uh, you'll need a body to decide you know if you start want to start curbing on speech you need a body to decide what is misinformation and what is information and how do you ensure that whatever this body is and to probably be a government body that they will be objective in their approach and not subjective you know if if politics dictates their decisions then what may be absolute truth may be false for example if you look at the hathras case recently and the the police kept saying that uh, the uh, the the parents of of, of the girl who was uh, going to cbs charge it was uh, raped and then she died of her injuries um, the police kept claiming that the cremation was done according to the according to the wishes of the family and the family kept saying that no we don't want the cremation done and if now who's going to decide what is the truth here and what is not the truth right so if you have a body which decides this and then if 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 it goes into the process of law then uh, in an especially in an authoritarian uh, situation it is quite possible that the body will go with what the police is saying as opposed to what the truth is so when it comes to freedom of speech it is a very tricky issue as to how you want to deal with it ideally you want to deal with it by putting out by making people more aware so that they are able to make decisions unfortunately as i said it is extremely frustrating that the mainstream media in india is the way it is so right now there is no clear answer but i would say that law law is not the answer to this issue okay okay sure so coming to a more technical aspect uh, we would actually love to know the pipeline of the process alt news follows to debunk any fake news the pipeline uh, is we first uh, a lot of us are there on social media now that alt news has become a bit of a brand we keep getting tagged alt news can you check this can you check that we have an app where uh, we get a lot of requests uh, we have a whatsapp number where we get a lot of, lot of requests so we look at these requests we see what is viral we do uh there's one small team which looks at the incoming request which decides that these could be possible stories uh they will feed the stories to a team of fact checkers which are there in english and hindi and they will do additional research um uh, and then decide whether there's a story or not and then the editorial team comes into picture where uh which includes me where i will look at the story and i will decide whether the fact check whether the claim fact check everything is matching and everything is you know if the story is good to go and that is when the article gets published so it is a collection of leads that is process number 1 fact checking 
and then editorial and, and the disbursement of fact checks. Eventually, we will feed it to the app, we'll feed the fact check to the app and if the request comes again, uh, there will be an automatic disbursement uh, in many cases of, of that fact check. Let's say if it's an image or video that we already fact checked, it will be automatically dispersed. Okay. So, uh, is the process more uh, research-based or do you employ some sort of say machine learning or deep learning strategies to encounter fake news? So. Uh, there has been a lot of progress in that domain as far as I get to understand. So do you employ any of that uh, as of now? Uh, no, we don't employ any machine learning etc. See, most of the work that has been done is in the area of NLP, National Language Processing, where they figure out what is the sentiment etc. Um, and uh, I, my understanding at this point of time is that that kind of uh, automation is not going to work for the misinformation that is circulating in India. Um, most of the academic work has been done in relation to the misinformation in the US. In the US, the misinformation is of a different kind. There you have websites like drivebar.com, you know, 10,000 websites which are putting out long passages of text. Uh, here, the misinformation is in form, largely in form of videos and images with two lines of text. So the nature of misinformation is very, very different. and uh, 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 there can be some use of technology to uh, identify this and it will have to be done at the level of YouTube, Google and Twitter. Uh, what we do is basically piggyback on their technologies, do a reverse image search, you know. Now the reverse image search is using uh, machine learning etc, some amount of it, but mostly uh, the underlying algorithm there is a age-old algorithm called perceptual hashing, p-hash. Okay. Uh, they have a, worked a lot on that but and I'm sure it's a much much better version of that but uh, right now we we ourselves are not using any technologies directly we are using tools which may have used those technologies uh, you know um, for their work but directly we are not using and I don't think there is much uh, use of it in detecting misinformation uh, the kind of misinformation that is circulating in India the only place where technology can be used at this point is let's say if there's an old video or image which is being recirculated and if we have a database with hashes to say that look as soon as uh, an old image or video is circulated then we're like okay this is an old video uh, the oldest version dates back to 2018 December uh, and it is not does not represent December 2020 that kind of technological intervention is possible. But uh, no, we don't use actively use machine learning or AI for our work. Uh, so as you said, the nature of fake news that has been propagated in India uh, is of a different nature, say, to the kind of in misinformation being propagated in the United States for that matter. So in certain sense, uh, the fake news being spread in India is very rudimentary because deep fakes haven't emerged on that scale as of yet. We have seen some bits and pieces here and there, but not in that scale. So as far as my understanding goes, a fact checker's job will get that much difficult once deep fakes come to the forefront. So how would fact checkers prove, verify, and more importantly, convince people about the authenticity of a news when such things become more prevalent? Right. So deepfakes uh, are not just there, not in India, but globally also. There haven't been many cases of deepfakes being 
the some cases of defects being used to dupe people but uh, as far as political misinformation is concerned for example we just had the us elections and they have all the technology to create deep fakes but there are very few deep fakes that have actually been created uh, to for political use so either uh, uh, they are being used more for pawn and all of that uh, how will we encounter it the question is if and when we come the last part of your question is how do we convince people that will be an issue detecting it you know let's say if somebody is saying that narendra modi said this but it's actually a deep fake we know that he has not said it you know look uh, there are means and ways of figuring out you know you uh, journalistically you figure out whether this person said anything like this or not um, um, let's say if he's wearing a particular set of clothes you know where was he wearing this particular set of clothes uh, in which speech was he wearing that particular set of clothes you get the recording of that speech you match the speech to speech and say okay he did not say anything like that so journalistically there are multiple ways of figuring out what you know whether uh deep fake has happened or not uh, the problem is how do you convince people how do you convince people that something that looks so real is actually false that is going to be an issue and we don't have an answer to that yet so as students or as normal citizens uh, what do you recommend are some good social media practices or tools which we can adopt in our daily life to curb the spread of fake news at least from our end i like you you already said uh, reverse image search is one of them but uh, apart from that is there any other tool or social media practices that we can adopt um before even you adopt social media practice um, in my opinion what you need to be aware at least i'm talking from the indian point of view uh, is what is the political situation in the country today the political situation is one that is one that is highly polarized you know whether it is religious polarization political polarization um you we find it i for example i i recognize myself more with the left ideology uh, now it is so polarized that it is even difficult to have a conversation with a person who is of is of a differing ideology especially the ones who are at the extreme and uh, uh so our biases are very strong we are in a very polarized country uh, situation so uh, let's say if some information comes about the folks that you do not agree with we are very quick to jump onto the bandwagon because we are so emotionally charged all the time so the first thing before even you get to the digital tools the digital tools can only help if you you know if you recognize the need for it but when will you recognize the need for it when you realize that emotionally you are so vulnerable that uh, any time any information comes which is sort of targets the folks of the the folks that you disagree with you immediately jump onto it and uh, you believe in it even if, even if you may not share it you at least it forms a part of your world view that this has happened look this has happened i read this you know uh, it it becomes part of your opinion making so the first thing to do is to know uh, you know be in control take a step back i always say take a step back if something comes on social media on whatsapp and if it is affecting you at an emotional level you need to take a step back and recognize that it is a very difficult thing to do but that is the first step to critical thinking that is uh, constantly knowing that don't rush into consuming information 
into processing and believing information. Uh, processing, you process the information, you look at the merits of the issue. Okay, you don't even have to go into using digital skills. For example, uh, a few days back, uh, multiple people from the Congress party shared a video which claimed that Chinese uh, tourists are now in the Indian part of the uh, lake. I keep forgetting the name of the lake, the lake in Ladakh. And uh, uh, the question is, yes, the, the government has not been entirely transparent about what is happening on the India-China border, but uh, will tourists come to an area which is a militarized zone, you know? Uh, will tourists come to, that is the first question that you want to ask. These were, in the video, people were in Bermuda and typical tourists were clicking photographs of people around. If it is a conflict area, can tourists come to any conflict area? You know, so that is the first question that you have to ask. If you ask that question, then you'll see that this lake is actually a very, very long lake and part of it is in China, part of it is in India. If you go about fact-checking it, if you read the audience fact-check, we have actually shown that the mountains behind they are of a certain kind and they are on the Chinese side of the lake. But you don't have to go all the way there. You don't have to go all the way to uh, figuring out where it is from. The question that you have to ask yourself is that will tourists come to a militarized zone? You know, are things so bad? Are things so non-transparent that we have tourists coming to a militarized zone? Basically, we have given up all this area that belonged to India. And when you ask that question to yourself, uh, you'll be like, okay, no, that is not possible and maybe I should not share it. So this is the kind of uh, questioning that you have to do, that you have to ask yourself when you come, come across information that, uh, 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 you know, that is making a very, very bold claim. Um, so that is the first thing that I tell everybody, that take a step back. That is the first thing. Then you can use some tools. You can do a reverse image search. Um, you can uh, look up different fact-checking websites to do if they've already done a fact-check or not. Uh, you can do simple Google searches. You can, uh, you know, there are multiple things that can be done. It is difficult to cover all of those in the short talk. But the first step to do, first thing to do is to take a step back. Yeah, I think in the polarized environment that we live in, that is, uh, I mean, leaving back your emotional and your political baggage that is indeed very difficult. Yeah. Um, so the biggest victims of fake news are probably parents from my generation. Uh, so parents of our generation rather. So uh, what would be a nuanced way to tackle the menace of fa uh, fake WhatsApp forwards and these WhatsApp groups? Mm, there's no straightforward answer to this. See, uh, I always say that we need educational reform, but educational reform works for only those who are actually in any form of organized education. You can have, let's say, workshops in Jadavur University. You can have workshops in schools. Uh, once you get out of organized educational mechanisms, how do you reach awareness to people? Then uh, media, radio, those are the ways to reach awareness to people. Unfortunately, they are failing. But uh, the the way forward is to make people more aware, make people uh, teach them certain simple tips of how to process information. Uh, way forward is education. It is just that it is very difficult to reach these uh, reach education to a certain age group of people. Uh, how to do that? We don't know yet. 
but i believe that is a solution or or the young people and the family they take up the mantle and say that okay uh, this is how you know this is how you think about information uh, at the end of the day the only way to really tackle this issue is an educational approach whether it is organized education or whether it is unorganized education whether it is a child teaching his or her parent or whether whether it is a professor addressing a bunch of students so you have highlighted a lot about uh you know uh you know uh, debunking fake news from an educational standpoint so do you think that fake news should be taught from a young age in schools i think some scandinavian countries have already started doing that so do you think it's a uh, right time for india to go on that track as well absolutely we are late we have not just the right time we are late in doing that um it should be taught uh, from a young age uh, recently uh, what happened was that a school in rajkot in gujarat uh, there was a class of 20 odd girls and the teacher asked these girls to write an essay on covid and its causes and its implications and uh, these girls they wrote an essay which was full of what they had seen on whatsapp forwards like if you stop your breath for a minute it's a covid test where did this come from because baba ramdev had said this in a video right so uh, uh, so uh, these are the kind of things that that are reaching children that age and it is extremely important to teach children that age how to think critically about these things so we we gave a uh lecture to these st- students and then they went and did a skit i don't know how much it has helped but they made the effort to create a skit out of a lecture that we did and they presented it before the whole school during a pandemic i mean it did not happen physically obviously it happened on zoom or something like that but uh, but it is essential that we start tackling this issue at a young age okay so we are almost towards the end of the podcast so final two questions we have for you so do you think that tech giants need to be more stringent when it comes to say fake news or hate mongering and secondly do you think the rules have been slightly bent for india because i mean there has been a lot of awareness of late regarding the us elections and the us politics but as far as i understand there has been some sort of a free hand which has been given to indian users and indian pub, you know people who uh, continuously spread fake news and uh, you know resort to hate mongering uh, firstly the tech giants like google facebook twitter they need to do a lot more uh, not just be more stringent uh, being stringent uh, would mean that they are already doing something and they just need to do a little extra no they are falling behind Uh, and they are doing so knowingly because uh, we need to understand what is the business model of these organizations so for example if you go to facebook how does facebook make money facebook makes money from the ads that they show on their website uh, how would you make more money from the ads uh, you would make more money from the ads if you have more number of views on those ads how do you ensure more number of views on those ads you ensure more number of views on those ads by ensuring that the audience spends a longer time on facebook how do you ensure that audience spends a longer time on facebook by increasing uh, by tweaking the algorithm so that the amount of time you spend engaging with facebook increases how do you engage more with facebook by putting out content uh, that 
people would like to consume uh, so uh, which is where what is the content that people end up consuming most sensationalist content you know content that keeps them hooked at an emotional level um, and uh, um, uh, basically they keep showing them content that they agree with you know as creating echo chambers so the whole business model itself is flawed and this is not just with uh, uh, facebook youtube was also the same thing uh, in fact youtube last year had to specifically made a change in the algorithm because what was happening was that people were going from one anti vaccination video if you watch one anti vaccination video the youtube recommendation algorithm will show them a, another anti vaccination video then you see another one you see another one yeah, yeah. and by the end of it uh, you are you firmly believe that vaccination is evil so the recommendation engines of these social media platforms which are what is driving the business models are inherently in no lesser words crude so uh, so that is where the problem starts so uh, so they will have to do a lot of rediscovering to actually deal with this issue of sensationalism of misinformation etc and uh, uh, i don't even think that uh, they are ready to deal with it because it directly impacts their business model the way out is obviously to create alternatives and uh, because these organizations have become monopolies as such you know it uh, facebook is a monopoly now it has over 3 billion people on it so uh, i don't know what is the uh, easy solution they are not willing to change much uh, the indian elections went by and nothing happened uh, bihar elections went by and nothing happened west bengal elections are coming and there's very little that is happening this even the efforts that they made in the us they're not replicating it in india uh, and Uh, there are elections every day in india the other day there were panchayat elections in karnataka and then kerala and rajasthan do these elections not matter does misinformation in these elections not matter so they are not doing anything at all so forget being stringent they are they are doing very little to actually deal with this issue facebook has uh, shook hands shook hands with a couple few fact checkers seven fact checkers and seven to eight fact checkers in india but they are whole process of fact checking is completely manual they are you know the, if you fact check one thing it should one video it should automatically tag all those videos or at least a majority of those videos using ai machine learning etc but uh, when you i recently appeared before delhi assembly and i said that look this has been fact checked by their partners and uh, how many cases are not tagged as misinformation they are not tagged because they are not using technology a technological company is not using technology to deal with their biggest issue so uh, so they have to do a lot more to to even start dealing with this issue and again this is the case with facebook twitter youtube everything uh, their business model is what is uh, is largely responsible other than the politicians abusing it but their inherent business model is what is largely responsible for the issues that we are facing today now pratik uh, uh, we coming to the final question so how do you envision the future of alt news so i have seen recently that uh, you have launched alt news gujarati apart from that you already have uh, alt news hindi so is alt news looking to expand into regional languages as well um yes we would want to um so the vision at this point in time for alt news 
In terms of the work that we want to do is that we are working on misinformation. We want to work on the issue of hate and the issue of lack of privacy. These are the three issues that are ailing social media. Misinformation, hate, lack of privacy. So uh, the, the longer vision is to be able to do journalistic work in all these three areas, do educational work in all these three areas. You know, how, how can people be can be more private when they are online, not leak out so much information? How do people, you know, how, do pro how to process hate speech and things like that? So uh, we want to work uh, in these three areas using journalism, education, and technology, and, uh, uh, and then put it out in as many languages as possible. But the language bit is more tricky because uh, that needs uh, you know, huge amount of infrastructure to start a new language needs a huge amount of infrastructure. But, uh, but broadly, this is the focus. The three focus areas are hate speech, misinformation, uh, privacy, and uh, the strategy is educational, journalistic, plus technological. Yeah. Yeah, we would absolutely love to have an alt news Bengali as well. Yeah. Uh, with the Bengali elections coming up, uh, which promises to be highly polarizing, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. But thanks a lot, Pratik, once again for doing this podcast. Anytime, anytime. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, we do hope that you love the episode. Uh, we do hope that you have some insight into how you can counter fake news as an individual and probably come up with better rebuttals in your family WhatsApp groups. That's it from our side. Cheers. Thank you so much.